Hey men, welcome to the FaithBridge Men Podcast. I'm your host, Mace Perez. FaithBridge Men exist to transform men's lives through the power of the gospel, to develop a band of brothers, and to inspire, encourage, and equip men to live lives of eternal significance. We know that real men, like you, are wrestling with real questions that have profound implications for your lives. So, we want to tackle those questions head on this summer in our Summer FAQs podcast series. And I can't think of a question that better fits that description than this one. How do I overcome pornography? You probably don't need me to tell you that, but um, listen to these statistics. Nearly two out of three men admit to looking at porn at least monthly. For men 18 to 30, that number jumps to four out of five. And one in three men in that age range view porn daily. Now, I don't share those statistics to shame you or to contribute to a feeling of doom and gloom. I share to let you know that you are not alone. But even beyond that, I want you to know that there is hope which is why I have invited my friends George and Mark to join us on the podcast today. So uh, thank you, George and Mark, for being here today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I was just mentioning before we started recording that George is actually our first uh, repeat interviewee. So uh, some of you may have heard the episode that we posted a couple months ago where George told us a little bit of his story. But just in case... Um, you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, or you forgot. Uh, George, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, thank you, Mace. Um, I've been here at FaithBridge on staff as the care pastor since January. Um, my wife and I have been members for five or six years. I can't remember exactly how long, um, but came on staff in January. And I have two sons that are uh, in their early 30s, so... And my wife has a son and a daughter who are in their mid-20s. And so we're um, loving it here uh, at FaithBridge. Awesome. I know FaithBridge is glad to have you. We've been glad to have you all as members, but then, you know, extra glad to have you since you've, yeah. you've been on staff. Uh, it's been a, a gift working alongside you. Um, and we also have Mark Frazier here. So Mark, uh, tell the men of Faith Bridge listening just a little bit about who you are. Yeah, thanks, Mace, for letting me be here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I'm uh, Mark Frazier, and I've got a wife. Uh, her name's Erin. We actually started at Faith Bridge back in 2010 when my wife got hired on to work in the student ministry, and she was there for a few years. Then we left Faith Bridge, and now we're back. Um married for July well, this next month will be 19 years wow congrats. um and we have one daughter 11 year old uh her name's Addison and she's excited because she's been serving in the evenings here at VBS oh, this week yeah. and she's been really loving it that's awesome and uh I don't remember if I heard it uh, I know it <laughs> but I can't remember if I, I heard it just now but what do you do professionally oh yes I'm a police officer I work in Conroe I've uh, been there for 12 years um, my role is a mental health peace officer and I have a clinician that rides with me and that'll come into play here in a little while uh, but we uh, we've been riding together for six years and we do all the mental health calls and follow-ups and crisis and yeah, I, I can't imagine how hard that job must be, but how thankful I am that we have 
guys like you, yeah, uh, I'm sure women too, that are, are able to respond in, yeah, in appreciate those sorts it. of scenarios. So I wanted to have uh, George and Mark on today. George, as the care pastor, spends a lot of his days talking with the people of Faith Bridge about their hurts, habits, and, and hangups. And of course, as, uh, as the, some of the statistics I was just sharing reveal, and again, as I think most men just know experientially, that's it, this issue of pornography is a very common one. And so that's why I wanted to have George on, and I'll, I'll let him share more of his story in a moment, but I wanted uh, Mark to be on um, because of what I know about his own personal story and how it relates to the topic at hand. So we'll get into that here as we continue. So uh, just to start, like I said, I've, I've shared some statistics and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of men just know uh, experientially. Um, and I, if the statistics are true, then uh, the, the probability is that whoever's listening to this podcast right now this is an issue yeah. for them, right? And so to start, uh, we'd just love to hear y'all's perspective on why do you think um, pornography is such an issue for men? What is it about pornography that just tends to, to suck men in and, and keep them enslaved? Well, I think, I don't, well, there's no one reason. I, I think there's multiple reasons, but um, one that comes to mind immediately is it it fills a void um, in someone's life when they are searching or thinking some something else needs to be in their life and, and they can't find it. Or if they know what's missing maybe in a relationship or something and they try to fill it that way, um, I think that's one of the ways that it happens. Mm. What do you think... Um... I guess, causes that void or what is it? Yeah. Just tell me more about that hole that you think men sure. are trying to fill. Well, I, I, and this is not just with pornography. This is life, you know, living life on earth as a sinner is we try to satisfy our life in other ways other than a relationship with Jesus. And, um, we look in a lot of different ways and this is certainly one of the addictions that, that uh, people use or men use. Uh, it could be some people use alcohol, some people um, use work. You know, there's any number of ways that people try to fill um, a void or something they think is missing in their life. This just happens to be one that's particularly um, uh, we're susceptible to because uh, it can lead us down this fantasy trail of, of what fantasizing of who I can be or what what life could be like mm. or what somebody else could be like that we're fantasizing about and um, which is really a bad trail to go down and leads to a lot of hurt but um, I think those are some of the reasons that we that it's so easy to go down and get sucked into it yeah no I, I think that's that's very true I I just finished reading a book on this topic called The Death of Porn by a pastor named Ray Ortland, who's who's one of those guys that like, it doesn't matter what he writes, I'll, I'll, I'll spend money for it because just everything he writes is gold. Yeah. And he has this line in there, I can't quote it exactly, but he says, says essentially what you just said, George, that you know when you're looking for pornography, whether you realize it or not, you're really looking for Jesus. Yes. 
Um, and I think all of us can relate to that kind of gnawing sense that there's something more to life, right? And so how easy it is for men to take that feeling and then turn to pornography, because like you said, I can go to this fantasy land where I can be someone who I'm not, or I can be with someone who I'm not with, or if nothing else, that quick dopamine hit, you know, uh, of pleasure helps, um, numb the pain even if for just a split moment, or at least that's what I think is going to happen, right? Yeah, people use it as an anesthesia. Right. When they don't like other parts of their life. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what would you have to, to add to that? Yeah, I was going to go towards that pleasure, just that pleasure. In my own experience, that's really where it started. Um, gosh, I was 13 years old or so, 12 years old, when I started kind of, you know, like, boys do they stumble on stashes of back then it was playboy magazines mm-hmm. um and just the pleasure the you know we us men were were visually stimulated much more than women are um and that was really my draw was just the the physical and the pleasure that it brought that dopamine that george mentioned right the, and then it turned into an addiction yeah so it can start with just the surface mm-hmm. you know level so to speak of like it was it's nice to look at and you know things that i do yeah. physically feel good you know for a moment and it, it doesn't have to be uh anything more than that that's enough right but then yeah. you add all the, the kind of those deeper kind of angst mm-hmm. that we're trying to um to fill i i you know i think from my experience, I, I mean, uh, Mark, you were just saying that you were listening to me share my story on our podcast. Uh, and I think I can relate from my personal experience to both of those that it kind of started with the like physical sensation, the, mm-hmm. you know, the sight piece of it. But then it also became that, you know, that when I was feeling I'm, I'm not diagnosed with clinical depression, but I can have I'm sure like anybody else, you know, these these periods where I just call them I get in a funk. Right. And for a long period of time, um, you know, anytime my mood would, you know, take a downturn like that, it was like immediately that voice would come in my head. Hey, you know how you can get a quick fix of pleasure, you know? So then it, then it became that sort of, you know, there's this despondency, there's this angst, there's this discontentment. Um, and even if I don't think yeah. pornography is going to solve my problem, it will at least feel good for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my that was my experience for sure. It started off as just pleasure and pretty women to look at, and and uh, and then it turned into a uh, a substitute for what was real for me. It uh, I unfortunately brought all that baggage into marriage into my into me and Aaron's marriage, and so whenever things weren't going well with me and Aaron, I'd turn to that mm-hmm. to well, if I'm not gonna. If I'm gonna, if I'm not, if I'm not gonna get intimacy from Aaron, then I'll I'll get it from someone right. else. And and how easy it is. I'm not. I'm. Uh, you know, you can say yes. I I know what you're talking about, or say no. I never had that thought. But I know at least for most men, uh, including myself, how good we are at rationalizing our poor decisions. Right. Just <laughs> across multiple things. Right. But including <laughs> this one. Right. Like, uh, you know, like again for me, you know, I'm just. Uh, I know I'm the one asking, supposed to be asking you all questions, but I can't help but like think about my own experience. You know, um, you know, I talked about when I shared my story the other day that, um, 
you know, I, in high school and stuff, when I was deeply addicted to pornography, I was never out drinking and partying or having sex. And there, because of that, I could easily justify my pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I'm doing this, but I'm not actually sleeping with someone. You know, yes. I'm not that actually rash- having an affair with my wife. Or, yes, or that rationalization is so it is it it, it happens right. for sure. It, and I, <laughs> I'm shaking my head yes as Mace is talking because I'm resonating with what you're saying that the rationalization that I'm really not having sex. Right. But, you know, Jesus says you look at a woman with lust. Right. You're committing ad- adultery. So absolutely. absolutely. Um. So, you know, we're kind of touching on that, I think, with just what we've shared so far. Um, So, again, I don't think that men need much convincing, but if they weren't convinced already, I think um, anyone listening would be that pornography use is pervasive. Mm. Um, And one of the things that's interesting to me is that as um, even secular science um, brain science and such studies the effect of pornography, the more and more non-Christian sources are coming out and saying this is a problem. Mm-hmm. However, on the one hand, we just talked about that rationalization piece, how easy it is for us uh, depraved human beings to rationalize our sinful nature. Uh, but then also you still have, you know, other sources out there saying that, you know, there is a, a, a healthy use of pornography, right? So there's still this this lie out there. Um, and I think the three of us would agree that uh, there's no such thing as that, right? No, and right. so talk to us, um, tell us a little bit of why um, you think the use of pornography is a problem. You know, what negative effects um, does it have on men in their lives? So George, you know, what you've seen as, as a care pastor, you know, talking with men who are struggling with the issue, Mark, from your own personal experience, what what is the fallout of um, pornography use in the lives of men? Well, I think it starts, you know, at <clears throat> a level where it's exciting, it's, you know, this isn't going to hurt anybody, I'm the only one that knows, and all of that kind of stuff. But it, it like, takes us down this spiral staircase going deeper and deeper uh, as time goes by and uh, you know you hear um, testimony after testimony of it leads to isolation because who you're going to tell and who you're going to talk to it leads which leads to loneliness um, which leads to guilt and fear and so it's something that may start out really exciting and feeling good and and all of that but figuratively you know at the end of the day that's not where it ends and so um and i would say that that pornography is is a symptom of a larger and greater problem and we've alluded to it earlier in the conversation and that's that's a uh, a problem with our relationship with god mm-hmm. You know, because Jesus said he came to set the captives free, you know, quoting Isaiah 61. And people, you know, that are in pornography, they are captives. They're captive to, you know, what's going on in their life that they can't share with others. And so to me, the huge issue is it, it, it never ends where it starts. And 
um, we're always separated from God, and we're afraid to tell anybody else about it. Right. <laughs> You're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I I was uh, researching that question about ways pornography affects you, and I come up come up with this uh, uh, blog from a guy named. Uh, Oh, my eyesight stinks. Brad Hambrick. And he mentioned some of the things you mentioned, George. Uh, guilt, social distance and shame, uh, crude depers. Sorry, my eyesight stinks. I'm getting old. Crude depersonal depersonalizing socialization. What he means by that is you dehumanize people. Um, you start looking at pornography over and over and over, and they just become objects. But they're actual people that you're you're seeing this video of or pictures of and you you forget that and then that carries over into your personal relationships especially for me it was more of and i hate saying this admitting it but treating my wife as a object more than a person mm -hmm. and just how broken that became and i'll share that a little bit later of the grace of god that's that's occurred uh, over the last couple of years, but but that was huge for me because I was it it really stunted my ability to have a relationship with other people. So if that's if that's broken, you know the relationship with God's broken. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then the other ones were avoiding unpleasant emotions. Um, they usually try to you, you know what they mean by that. What he meant by that is you using pornography to deal with the stress and anxiety. So you're shoving down the root cause of where the stress and anxiety is, is coming from, and you're replacing it with, or you're trying to get that dopamine effect to push down the anxiety and push down the stress rather than dealing with where that stress and where that anxiety is coming from. Right. And then the uh, multi-sensory stimulation is what he says. Um, the, the sight, the sound, the tactile, it... Uh, pulls us out of our actual world into this fantasy. And you mentioned that just a minute ago too, George, yeah. that, that it, 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 it's, it's a make-believe world that we try to pretend is true. Right. And I just think, I was just listening to a, a podcast the other day on uh, the metaverse. I don't know how much, you know, reading or, or stuff, but, you know, yeah. basically, you know, uh, web 3.0, right, um, where basically things that we've only seen in sci-fi movies is becoming real where you can enter these, you know, purely virtual reality worlds. And we know that that's where pornography is going to, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, just as y'all were talking, I'm like, I think the danger of this is only going to continue to rise. Oh, yeah. You know, as the experience, um, I was going to say becomes more realistic, but one of the issues with pornography is that it's not realistic. You know, that's, that's part yeah. of the, it is this fantasy land, right? So, um, the makers of this material can exploit that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as you were saying that, I'm just like, man, this, this is only going to get worse, only, mm -hmm. only more dangerous. Um, the George, way, the way, I'm sorry, the way a technology's evolved, you know, I'm 49. So back when I was 12 or 13, it was magazines or VHS tapes. <laughs> right, right. Now, it's a click of a button on your computer or or opening a yeah. opening an app on your phone. It's or, right there in your pocket. Yeah, right? it's yeah. it's right there, it, totally available, and mm. that fantasy world's at your fingertips. And that, 
and I want to take a little bit different slant on the fantasy because it 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 takes you further and further from reality. Mm-hmm. But one of the real one of the realities about this fantasy <laughs> is in the church is you know I've I've talked to people more than once that they're involved in church, they're maybe even leaders in church, and um, have the appearance of this really strong relationship with God. And, and But the reality is, because this is not God's design for us as people and not God's desire um, um, for us, then there is no way to have this strong relationship with God and then go home and hide in your closet and watch porn. Right. Those cannot coexist. So it is a fantasy when we're hiding in our closet. And then it also becomes a fantasy at church of being a strong Christian. Right. And so the fantasy goes well beyond just watching the porn. It goes to other parts of your life and especially critical um, in pretending to have a relationship with God. Right. The, George, have you been a fly on the wall for the last 25 years of my life? Well, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think so many can, can relate to that. Uh, the analogy that came to my mind, maybe this will make sense, maybe it doesn't, but, it, you know, just walking around, um, you know, it is this secret sin, right? So I can't yeah. tell just by looking at someone, mm-hmm. oh, that person's addicted to porn, that person's addicted to porn, and that person's not. So we can walk around the halls of Faith Bridge and put on a, a smile, but it was like Absolutely. if we had like these infrared goggles or something, you know, that we could put on people, and then you would see all the, you know, the tainting and the marring that, that sin does. And so, you know, other people can't see it because they don't have those special goggles on, but we know it's there. Right. And so yeah. that's what causes the, the isolation, the hiding. Mm-hmm. I talked about that when I, I shared my story about how, you know, uh, I didn't want to tell anyone about it because I didn't want people to know the truth about who I was, especially this amazing girl that I had started dating. Right. Yeah. Because I knew if she knew she'd walk away from me. Um, so, yeah, it, it leads to that isolation. It, it leads to to that shame. Uh, for sure. I think a lot of men can um, relate to that. Same book, um, The Death of Porn by Ray Ortland. He has this another line in there that I, really resonated with me. He said, you can either be impressive or you can be known, but you can't be both. You know, and so especially as men, we, we tend to be image conscious, you know, wanting to project, you know, yeah. that we have our lives put together. So again, we know that we don't. And so we just, I can choose to be impressive or I can choose to be known. And because we idolize our own image, right? Our perception. Well, of mm. course, I need to be impressive, right? Because that's where I'm going to get my, my worth, what other people think of me and, and whatnot. So I can't be known. And that's just a tactic of the enemy that, yeah. you know, it's actually true freedom. Um, you know, like you were talking about, George, uh, you know, we're slaves. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul talks about in places like Romans 6, how, you know, we are all born slaves to sin, Right. And the way to freedom is not hiding it. The way to freedom is not trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. The, yeah. the way to freedom is letting it out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which is probably a good segue, right? So we, we're talking about, um, you know, 
the pervasiveness of pornography use, especially among men, though it's not only a men's problem, uh, and, and the havoc it can wreak in our lives. But the question we're ultimately trying to answer through this conversation is, how can we overcome it? So, um, Mark, if, if you wouldn't mind, since you've already alluded to you know, a little bit more of your story. So uh-huh. talked about where you were 13 years old, being exposed to it, being addicted for a couple of decades. You talked about, you know, what it was doing to you on the inside, what it was doing to your marriage. Um, you're here today because by God's grace, you're no longer in that place. Yes, uh, so absolutely. To, by God's to, grace. To, to start, just tell us a little bit of your journey of finding healing and freedom in this area. Yeah, it, I, I was over here laughing as you guys are talking, because y'all are like, are you talking about me? Because <laughs> everything y'all been saying has been my life. The faking, the pretending that I have a relationship with God, all of that is so true. I uh, I grew up in church, and and not quite as not quite your story, Mace, but I was involved in church. My parents took us to church as a kid. I was involved in the youth ministry, went to church camp, knew knew the Bible at a young age and believed it was true, always believed it's true. Uh, But I think it was, looking back, it was like more head knowledge. And then having this pornography thing, on top of that, all of this stuff, pretending that I'm a good Christian, pretending that everything's okay, having the smile on my face, being involved in youth group, being involved in uh, young men's ministry, um, for crying out loud, my wife and I met at church at Houston, Houston's First Baptist when uh, uh, in the singles, the singles ministry there. And I still had, hid this pornography. Didn't want didn't anybody to know, especially her. And so I brought all that in to our marriage and, um, and just pretended, and even pretended to the point where I went to seminary. <laughs> I have a master's divinity from Southwestern Baptist uh, from 2000, 2004 to 2010, I was up at Fort Worth. And and the whole time, hiding this pornography. And George, you're, you're totally right. You, you can't have a relationship with God and hide, the, hide a habitual sin. It, it's just impossible. Yeah. You can pretend, and I did, I pretended. I pretended that God didn't care or he didn't know or, or I could hide it. Like I could hide it from him. <laughs> and then you read Psalm 139, and there's nowhere you can go. He's there. Right. Um, and uh, so for years and years, I pretended that I was this great Christian. And like you, you just mentioned, impression versus being known. And the impression was that I was a great Christian. Mm-hmm. So imagine my wife finding out. She's got this impression of a great Christian and then finds out. And she was destroyed. The the guilt and the shame for me, and I I don't want to when I say this I'm not I'm not putting blame on the pornography for what happened between me and my wife over the last several years, but the shame and the guilt that was inside of me, I hated myself, just hated myself, and how that was expressed was not being shoved down, but it was being projected on, on Aaron. I treated Aaron horrible 
for many years. Emotional abuse. Um, sorry, but just the fact that me and Aaron are together, I can't, I can't not cry. Um, uh, I've said things and treated her in ways that she shouldn't be with me, be honest with you. <laughs> um, so fast forward several years. Um, the summer of 2020, Father's Day weekend was the last ugly cycle that me and Aaron went through. Uh, I had made a comment to her and it was about her, f the way she looked and years and years of baggage and abuse and whatnot. She was done. She, she was, that was it. Father's Day weekend. She said, I'm done. And we, and we separated tw uh, two years ago, like two years ago, this coming weekend. Right. And, and that was, that that was the most courageous thing my wife could ever do. Um, if you know my wife, um, she's a great lady. She hates conflict. <laughs> and, and she tries to avoid it as much as she can. And that's, that's totally okay. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just her personality and stuff. But, but that day, she, she, she put her foot down. She said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And labeled our relationship toxic. And it was. It was very toxic. Well, that was a catalyst that got me where I'm at today. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't in the, a lot of times, well, well kind of Sean, Sean mentioned this in a, I listened to Sean's testimony, um, a podcast, I guess the last one, I believe, or, or one before yours. And he mentioned it, that the change, he didn't feel like he could make the change. I was the same way. And I was, I didn't want to make the change just to get Aaron back. I knew there was broken inside of me. I knew there was stuff that needed to be dealt with. And for six years, I'm riding along as a police officer, a mental health officer with a clinician, a licensed professional counselor for six, for at that time it was four years. And I start sharing stuff with him, but I'm still, still have the, the mindset, I've got to hide the pornography. Mm -hmm. Until about a week into talking with him, he says, what are you holding on to? I mean, just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And man, it all just flowed out. And confession, it's a powerful thing. Because that broke the, that broke the lying, that broke the, that broke the faking, that broke the pretending. And I shared with him. Um, I ended up sharing with my wife and confessing. I tried to do it in person while we were separated. Um, but she didn't want to meet, and that's totally, totally understood. So we did, thank goodness for technology, we have FaceTime. And uh, I confessed to her. Um, I, I, started, I started making changes. I went to a counselor, not, not my partner, but a, somebody he recommended that, that deals with, with the sex addiction. And I went to him, and that's how I ended up getting in touch with, with Regeneration. Uh, it's a, a recovery ministry that that's been in different churches uh, for several years now. And it's a 12-step discipleship a recovery ministry that I got involved in. And it was, it changed, not it, but God used that to change my life. And I, a uh, couple of passages that have been very huge to me is Psalm 139, you can't hide from God. There's nothing that you can do to hide from Him. You can pretend, but he's, 
And then Psalm 103, where David just confesses and talks about that God's grace, in the Old Testament, God's grace is there. And Psalm 103 says that. Um, the prodigal son story, it had a huge impact on me. Um, and so for years and years and years, I had been pretending to be this Christian. Uh, August, well, late July, August of 2020, I truly became a believer. And God God rescued me from all that crap, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, and I... I was in, got involved with Regen. Went through went through. It's a year long ministry, twelve uh, step program. I went through that with some folks over at Houston Northwest Church, and it was it was the best thing I could have done. And God used every bit of it, and rescued, redeemed, brought me out of that pit, brought me out of that lie, and um, I'm here today because of it. Amen. Thank you for your willingness to, to share all that. Um, several thoughts and questions that come to my mind. Um, one is, uh, you've highlighted multiple times throughout the conversation just how grateful you are for Aaron. Um, mm -hmm. Take me back just for a moment to that FaceTime conversation you had with her. What was that like, you know, finally opening up to her about it? How did she react? Um, and then how have y'all continued to journey get together since that moment? Yeah, um, that was hard. It, it was hard to do in the sense that I was taking a huge risk because we were already separated when I when I confessed to her, and so I was. I, I knew, I knew that there could be a possibility. She says, "Okay, I can't do this anymore." And, um, but but just getting that out. And, and sharing with her and and, and, and apologizing, uh, godly sorrow, just being, I wasn't doing it to try to win her back. I was doing it, I was confessing to her so that she, she knew that I was sincerely uh, apologetic for, for the way I had treated her, the what, things that I had said the 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 just the awful treatment and she she didn't say a whole lot given where we were at being separated after the fact she said that was huge uh there was some so i had talk, been talking to a counselor about should i should i confess now or maybe wait until after maybe we reconcile if that's a possibility and the, the the wisdom and I'm glad that with I'm glad for this wisdom was go ahead and do it now confess now don't don't wait to to unload all this on her after y'all reconcile like get it all out in the open and that that's the that's the biggest thing for um, for men that are struggling with pornography is you got to say something to somebody you can't hold on to it you can't hide it it's it's killing you inside if you mm -hmm. if you try to hold on to it and pretend that everything's fine. Right. And and, it, and it's going to come out in sorts of all sorts of different ways. For me, it came out as anger and really treating my wife horrible. Yeah, it, you know, it takes me back to what we were saying uh, earlier that uh, we're far better at rationalizing our sin oh, than yeah. we realize. Mm -hmm. 
we're far worse at hiding it than we realize, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Or, de- quote, dealing with it yeah. than we realize. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about regeneration or uh, region for short. Um, you know, I know you, you could probably go on and on uh, about it, um, but maybe just one or two specific things. You mentioned some of the scripture mm-hmm. that has really meant a lot to you, but what was it about that ministry that was so helpful to you? The the way it's set up is it's a it's a ministry that deals with all sorts of different baggage, not just addictions. Um, it, it, it's not the stereotypical like um, uh, like alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or, or anything like that. It's it's biblical. It's biblically based. It's it's uh, written. It's written based off of the twelve step program that's been been around for many years. Um, but it's written in such a way that it's more of a discipleship than it is recovery, I guess, would yeah. be a way to put it. And the the things that were great is that you're in, the way it's structured is you're in a small group with people that are dealing with all sorts of different baggage, be it anger, depression, uh, uh, marriage issues, um Alcohol. I mean, alcoholism. There was a, one guy that was in our group that was an alcoholic. Um, so the you know the typical things are there, but there's also all a whole string of other issues. So you're you're in this small group with other people that are dealing with their issues, and you're dealing with yours, and you realize I'm not alone. There's my friend over here who's dealing with alcoholism. I'm dealing with pornography. Another guy's dealing with anger, and and we realize that sin is sin. We're not we're not any different than the next person next to us. Right. And we we all have stories. We all have redemption stories. And uh, and and seeing how God used different things in our individual lives to bring us to Him. And that was that was powerful. It was the the uh, the uh, that you're not alone. Right. That you and that and that was the thing with being you know being afraid to talk about it is feeling like what is somebody going to say about it or how are they going to see me or um what are they going to what are you gonna, what are they going to think and and when you when you finally when you finally take that mirror and you turn it and look at yourself and you're honest with yourself you you can that it's a powerful thing to do is to do to look at to be honest and look at yourself because that's the beginning of being able to get past and God using all of that to get past your your addiction or sin whatever it is you're dealing with Absolutely. not necessarily pornography but anything right the the first step to solving a problem is admitting there's a problem yeah. right mm-hmm. and um it made me think of, I, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, um, but I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about this, the power of confession, right? And mm-hmm. opening up that the reason why we don't, it goes back to that image thing, right? That that we feel like, or we're afraid that if we open up about who we really are and the things that we struggle with, uh-huh. that it's going to create separation 
from other people. Oh, that no. if I <laughs> if I tell George and Mark what I'm really dealing with, they're going to push me away when it's actually the opposite. Oh, it's absolutely the opposite. Right. It, it, uh, it, James wasn't, he wasn't making it up when he said, confess your sins with, to one another and carry each other's burdens. That you may be healed. That you may be healed. Right. Um, there's power, the way God has created us, there's power in sharing our stories and sharing our faults and sharing sharing our sins with other people. Absolutely. And we realize that we're not alone, that we all have shortcomings. We all have sins that we've committed. And yet there is a, there's a common thing. There's God's grace in every one of the stories that, you know, all of our, all of our stories sitting here, there's God's grace that has been within our, our individual stories. Absolutely. Um, you made me think of a passage in first John that, um, I was thinking about already because I just want to make one point uh, clear. Uh, I think I understood what y'all were saying, but just if anybody has been listening and has been kind of freaked out, uh, I think you can be truly sh- saved and still struggle with pornography. Yes. What I yeah. think the point y'all were trying to make was um, there's going to be a ceiling on the level of intimacy that we can experience with God and the level of growth we can. Yeah. From a human perspective, and Mark, it sounds like you can you know, relate to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that, um, you know, me struggling with pornography or you struggling with pornography didn't mean I wasn't married to Jennifer or you weren't married to Aaron, Yeah, but it did get in the way of the intimacy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know I can speak to this. It sounds like you can speak to that as I have found more freedom in that area. It has increased my intimacy with my wife that we are stronger um, simply because that things were out in the open and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're finally healing, healing and freedom. And I think that that's analogous to the relationship with the Lord. But the passage in First John, you know, so John says, you know, if we say ha- we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, yeah. right? Yes. You're, you're mm-hmm. just kidding yourself if you say we have uh, no sin. And he said, but if we do sin, we have an advocate. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I, I, I alluded to it when I shared my story the other day, but I struggled early on in my uh, life as a Christian with assurance of salvation. And one of the key things was my continued struggle with sin, including this particular area. And it was um, actually a series of messages that Ben Stewart did through First John that helped me see some of that. And one of the lines that he said in that um that has really stuck with me is the struggle is the sign. In other words, that someone who's not a believer, um, their sin won't bother them. Right. The fact that your sin bothers you, Uh even if you're not making any progress, the fact that it bothers you and that you have that genuine repentance and contrition, that is a sign that you truly are his. Um, I wanted to bring you just bring, you just you just said a word that I wanted to harp on a little bit repentance mm. uh, in the in the twelve steps that's one of the steps you have confession well first first off you have I can't do this alone I I am not strong enough I don't have it within me to to do anything to change 
but there's a God that can. That's step two. Step three is God sent his son Jesus, and it's in particular it's that man, Jesus, that brings about the change. Step four is an inventory. You take every bit of your life and you write it down. Every sin that's been committed to, committed against you, every sin you've committed against somebody else, every hurt that's that's occurred to you, every hurt that's occurred that you've occurred, that you've put on somebody else, you write it all down. And then is confession, or I'm sorry, forgiveness. So you see all that written down, and then you realize Jesus. He knew. He knew you. He knows every deep, dark secret. He knows everything about you, and he still spread his arms on that cross and laid his life down for you. And when you see all that written down, and you know that Jesus paid the penalty for every bit of that, plus whatever may happen in the future, it's powerful. And then confessing it, and then repenting, and repentance is huge. You have to understand that you, you somebody's struggling with pornography and that and and they are a believer you have to get to a point where you are you are you are broken over the fact that you're sinning against your creator you're sinning against God um, Romans 6 you mentioned a minute ago we we've died do we go on sinning any longer no by by no means no God we've if, if we're with Christ, we've been crucified with Him, meaning we're putting off all that sin, all that death, all that, all that, uh, all that things that keep us from a relationship with Him. But we turn towards something else, right. and that's what repenting is. So we're getting rid of all that other stuff, and we're turning towards Christ. And that's what it means when we die, to Christ, we die in ourselves to, in Christ, and we're raised again to new life. Right. And so we're turning towards this new life, Absolutely. and it, and it's and it starts with confessing that and repenting to your to your Creator Jesus. Amen. Goes back to what George told us earlier about we often turn to pornography and other things, alcohol, anger, all everything that you mentioned mm-hmm. that you know people can struggle with because we're trying to fill a void. Yeah. And so it's not just stop trying to fill it with that. It's Fill it with what it's supposed to be filled with. Absolutely, with yeah. Jesus. Uh-huh. So George Mark has already given us so much gold. But to the to the guy who's listening to this, who's like, "All right, this is my line in the sand moment. Um, I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to do something. I want to overcome pornography. What would you add to all the amazing uh, insight that Mark has given us to to, to how a, a man can overcome pornography?" Yeah, one of the first things is, and I was thinking about this as you guys were were talking, is to realize how much God loves us. Mm-hmm. That no matter how deep you're into something, uh, whether it's pornography or you know some other you know addiction, and I would even say anything that that you're stuck in that keeps you from growing in your relationship with God, and you know it's a huge hindrance is to realize, you know, God's grace and how much he loves us. And even in the midst of, you know, wallowing in that, he still loves us just as much. And 
and he can't wait. He just can't wait for us to come back to him and and admit and confess and and have that relationship with him again. And I, you know, I've had times in my life when I've, you know, been doing stuff that I knew wasn't right and I've been stuck and I've hesitated because I think, oh, what, what would God, he doesn't want me now, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a lie that, that, you know, Satan has talked me into, but it's very real when you're in the middle of it. And... Um, so I think the main thing is realize how much God loves us and how much he wants to draw close to us and how much he wants to um, help us work through these things. And, you know, you guys have already said it really well is, the, you know, admitting to ourselves, to God, to others, um, and confessing, which is incredibly freeing. Mm-hmm. And we've also talked about, which is... Have a, you know, we've talked about it in a little bit, but have some place that you can go and and be able to share where you are and what's going on, and the regeneration that that Mark's talked about. You know, we're going to start that in the fall here. One of my dreams is that um, not just men, but anybody, men, women, whoever, there's a place at church, appropriate place at church that I can go and share what's going on in my life and confess without judgment, without worrying about what anybody thinks, and know that I'm going to be loved and cared for and people are going to walk with me side by side. Because if we can't bring those to our church community, where are we going to take them? There's, there's not salvation any other place. There's not restoration anywhere else except through Jesus. That's right. Absolutely. And so, you know, church has become, not all church, but I know that there are churches that that people are, they wouldn't want to share anything they've done wrong. It ought to be the safest place we can go to share and have the support and love and, and people walk with us and pray with us and encourage us. And so, you know, one of my dreams is to have ministries in the church that we can come and just be incredibly authentic with where we are in life and know that we're loved and have that support. And, you know, I think Mark would, would share that that's what he experienced in regeneration. And that's... That's one of the things that I think is incredibly important in overcoming the big, you know, either addictions or barriers in life is, um, is, is to have people walk with us and, and let us know how much God loves us. And we want to do our best to provide that. Absolutely. It's why, you know, we talk about... Our mission here at Faith Bridge, making more and stronger disciples who make more and stronger disciples. And we talk about the way that we do that is by practicing this rhythm of worship plus two. That absolutely we need to be in worship um, week in, week outs, you know, uh, singing songs that remind us of what is true, remind us who God is, that we sit under the preaching of God's word. That's essential. But we also need these smaller smaller groups. And that's where the plus two comes in, right? The grow, 
grow groups and micro groups and Bible studies, the table, things like this, and then serving together, which yes, a serve team exists in part to complete a task, whether that's helping, you know, people feel welcome or running the cameras on a Sunday morning, whatever the case may be. But like Mark said earlier, they're not just objects. We're not just, we can get robots to open a door, you know, but it's about that community, right? Mm -hmm. Having people where they, they know your name and over time you can get to know one another's stories. And hopefully all of those places, like you said, I think, I know all of our vision would be that every single one of those scenarios would be a place where we could open up and where we could find healing. But sometimes um, we need what, you know, Wayne Risher calls a discipleship booster where, you know, my normal grow group is awesome, you know, and I do have one or two guys in there that I can open up with, but I really need to work on this thing, you know, this addiction or healing from my grief or learning how to read the Bible, whatever the case may be, which is why we're trying to grow our offerings of these discipleship boosters that I need to pull off Mm -hmm. to the side of the road, um, and even if that means I got to step away from my regular grow group for a semester so that I can really, you know, dig into this particular issue, whatever the case may be. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have not done regen personally, but everyone I've talked to, even people who are not, um, addicted in some of the more obvious ways that we, we often think of, everyone has talked about how life transforming it is because, yeah. uh, and I've talked to other people that have been involved in recovery ministries you've all said it in different ways. We're all addicts. Mm-hmm. Everybody's addicted yeah. to something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's born a slave to sin, to yep. use uh, Paul's language. Yep. Um, so as you know, um, throughout this whole FAQs um, series, uh, the men of FaithBridge can actually go to faithbridge.org slash men, and there's a little form there um, where men can uh, submit questions that we'll address over the, the course of the summer. And so we have one of those that have, has been submitted that's related to our topic today. Um, and so uh, this man writes, how can I overcome temptation of other women or lust in a marriage where intimacy rarely happens? So Mark, uh, you kind of alluded that, that that was, sounds like that's kind of where you were. It's like, okay, I'm not getting my bucket filled over here, so I'm uh-huh. gonna turn to this thing. Um, which is why I said I think it's related to our topic to the day. But in addition to all the the wonderful insight and wisdom y'all have shared, what would you say to that? The man that finds himself in a marriage where physical intimacy with his wife is just not happening um, with any sense of regularity. How does that man um, resist the temptation to lust after other women? I'm going to reemphasize what I've said before. And, and some things. So I'm in the process of I've put off all that old stuff. I've put off the sin of the habitual sin of pornography. By God's grace, for me, I haven't looked at, I haven't opened my phone and looked at anything since June of 2020, by God's grace. I learned that I cannot, I can't, I don't have any control over anything that my wife does. I can't change her. And, and and this guy that's asking this question, I think I think it's this I think there's something there where he wants his wife to change. She's not giving me what I want, I want her to change. It's kind of what I hear in his question. You can't change her, but you can change you. 
And that's what I would say to that guy. You, you have the power by God's grace, if you will look at yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and admit to you and admit to God and admit to somebody else that there is something in your life that's not right and, and confess that and repent from that and make changes because you know you need to make changes, then there could be something there. What came to my mind? Uh, it came to my mind a moment ago when you were talking about the steps. Uh, Steve Carter, uh, who of course preaches here regularly, I've heard him on a couple of occasions. You know, say that you can summarize the first three steps of "I can't, God can, I think I'll let him." Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and so you know the short answer to the question: How can I overcome temptation of other women or lust in a marriage where intimacy rarely happens? You can't. No. But we serve a God who can. Absolutely. And if you depend yeah. on Him, He will see you through it. My, sorry, my train of thought came back to me. Okay. <laughs> I knew where I was going with that. So I took off all, I put off all that sin of the habitual sin of pornography. And so what I'm doing now is replacing it with something else. And I'm replacing it with, I went years and years of this treating my wife and treating people as objects. And now I'm learning to relate to people. I'm 49 years old and I'm just now learning that. So there's that. <laughs> but one thing that I'm doing is there's there's another ministry that I'm involved with that I found out through Facebook and it's uh, it's called the Family Captain. And it's a guy, it's a pastor in Virginia that offers coaching and it's a it's a coaching ministry of learning how to be a family captain, of how to be the the leader of your ship, the 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 tender of your garden is the, some of the analogies that, and, and that's where I'm at. So I'm taking all of that other stuff and putting it put it aside, and now I'm I'm, I'm going through a through a coaching ministry where learning how to be the leader in my family that I hadn't been for many many years, um, and that. And, and the, the main thing that he says there is what I kind of said just a minute ago. You can't, you don't have the power to change your wife, but you can become the man that you can become the best man that she's ever known. Right. And there can be some change in there. Right. That, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm learning. And, that, and I'm seeing some fruit of that a little bit with the relationship with my wife is becoming the best man that my wife's ever known. And then there's some attraction there. Right. So rather than, um, you know, running to these other things that I can justify but are ultimately destructive, mm-hmm. do things that are going to build myself up yeah. um, into a man, first and foremost, that my family needs, uh-huh. but maybe even a man that my wife might want. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the gist of it. And right. being, being the... The, the, the curriculum is about being the man that God wants you to be. He, he, he created you to be. Learning who that who that is, your identity is as a as a son of God, as a child of, as as a brother of Jesus. Learning how to be that man, and that's what this curriculum's about. And in turn, when you start following Jesus and 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 becoming that man, there seems to be this attraction that is already built in, the way God created us men and us women. Right, George. What would you add? Yeah, I was thinking, I've, I've talked to, you know, more than one guy 
in counseling that ended up in pornography or um, was attracted to, uh, say, a woman other than his wife. And he admitted that he and his wife had a good relationship. He admitted that they, you know, had a good physical relationship. But for whatever reason, he's still attracted to these other things. And so, you know, my thought is whether you're having troubles with intimacy with your wife or whether things are great, the temptation is still there. And I think lots of times we use, you know, we need to work on that relationship with, number one, ourself in our relationship with God. And like Mark was saying, be the best man, and I would say godly man, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that we can be. And, and not use uh, perceived problems in our relationship as an excuse to, that's why I'm going to get, that's why I'm going to watch porn, that's why I'm looking at other women, or that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because there's almost, and, and obviously we don't know the situation here, so... But there's almost like there's two things, two separate issues. One is me being the godly man I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. as, as Mark was saying, and godly men don't look at other women, you know, other than their wife. You know, they don't do things that would destroy their marriage, like pornography. You know, that's it's that that's a that's an issue with the relationship between me and God. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is is would be my relationship with my wife, and what do I need to do to make that the strongest relationship possible? And we can't we can't um, think we know why, you know, there's a lack of intimacy or, mm-hmm. or the reasons for that because they're numerous. It could be, um, and just being blunt, it could be you know a hormonal thing that uh, is involved. It, it could be a relational issue that that he's not aware of yet. And maybe she's not even aware of yet, but it's there and that we're, um, and then they're experiencing the, the, um, the symptoms of that right. uh, issue. So I think it's pretty, it can be, you know, we live in a black and white world where we just want these bumper sticker answers. Right. And that's not life. Right. Yeah. It could be really complex. Right. But uh, I think the main thing is being the godly man God's called me to be. And the other thing is, is to work on my marriage. Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom there because it's, it's easy to say, oh, if my wife and I were more physically intimate, this wouldn't be a temptation. We're fooling that's, ourselves. Yeah, yeah you know, that's the, not. The problem is not outside of me, it's inside of me. Yeah. Um, right. And so I need to take ownership of that. And then, like you said, we've talked about roots and fruit, right? Mm. That pornography addiction, the lust, the lack of intimacy in the marriage. Symptoms. Is, those are symptoms. That's the yes. fruit. There's something going on deeper. So yeah. I'm trying to dig in and just, again, take ownership of my myself and of my marriage. Not that I can control my wife, but I can I can play my part and in trying to make this marriage as strong and healthy yeah. As, yeah. as possible. There's a saying in regeneration that I love, and it is draw a circle, stand in that circle, then go to work fixing everybody in the circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, don't try to fix other people. Right. Yeah. 
you know, work on your own life. Right. And I, I think that's very um, applicable. Absolutely. And that we don't have to do it alone. No. Uh, no. Because Jesus is in that circle with us. Yes. He, he is he right there. The yes, grace. absolutely. He's right there with you. And you make an effort to reach for him, and he will, he will be there. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for being here today. I know that um, there's a lot of men that are going to be able to resonate with what we've been talking about and that I think are going to be helped um, by this, you know, whether it's to, you know, really get serious about pulling up the roots and um, being honest, uh, confessing to their wife, finding a couple godly brothers that they can confide in and and open up to. And um, I hope many, many men and women uh, will will join us for regeneration in the fall, whatever their hurt habit or, or hang-up happens to be, but including if it's this particular issue. So thank you, guys. Thank you. And thank you all for listening in to the Faith Bridge Men podcast as we kick off our summer FAQ series. If you found this helpful, please share it with others and rate and subscribe to the podcast. And as we continue our FAQ series, if you or someone you know has a question about life, faith, God, or culture, Go to faithbridge.org slash men and let us know your question. You can let us know your name or you can keep it anonymous. And we will catch you next time on the Faith Bridge Men podcast as we continue to tackle the real questions that real men are asking head on.